What's up, guys? Welcome to our version, our quarantine version of Midweek. Obviously, this looks a little bit different. Uh, We're in the podcast room. I know that we can't gather during this season, but we wanted to uh, reach you guys uh, and make sure that we still got to our text in Revelation 7 and still discuss that, still walk through it, even though we can't meet in person. So I'm here uh, with Casey. The format's going to look a little different, but we encourage you to open up your Bibles, follow along with us. Um, If you have questions, This is going to be a YouTube video, so feel free to comment them, and we'll try to answer them uh, maybe after this video is over. Casey, how you handling the quarantine, man? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. This is my real hair. Okay. Yeah, this is my real hair. Why would it not be? Is it normally not? It normally is, but I feel like that's a question people may ask on YouTube. (laughs) This is my real hair. But I feel like when you say, this is my real hair... The only reason you would say that is because it might actually not be your real hair. I just don't want there to be any confusion. They might, but now, Casey, now I'm wondering. I really want to, if it wasn't you for touch Corona. It? You want to touch it? No, you social touch distancing. It? Social, social distancing. distancing, you can't touch my hair. We're staying apart. We're not six feet apart, but I trust Casey doesn't have Corona. He says it's seasonal allergies. So <coughs> well, tell me you did that as a joke. Tell it me was like, a, It was a joke. Are you sure? It was a, it was okay. a joke. Because I'm not joke. joking right now, man. I have asthma. This thing I, could affect I me. I don't. I don't want you to die, Zach. I love you. I don't want this to be our last video because it's not going super well so far. I know. I'm sorry. All right. We probably better jump into this. Uh, (laughs) Revelation 7, Revelation 6, last time that we met at midweek. So we're in Revelation 7, and I probably need to connect the dots a little bit so that people know where we're at. And uh, so Revelation 6 is all about the evil that is being unleashed on the earth as the seals are open. And you come to Revelation 7, and this is where... uh, those that are in Christ are sealed up, protected, and assured. Um, and so the question Revelation 6 poses is, who can stand in the world of evil? And Revelation 7 answers that, that Christians, followers of Christ, can stand. So that's where we're at today. That's kind of where we are. Casey, kind of I had a question when I was reading through the text. Um, this is prophetic. Like, this is John who's prophesying what's going to happen uh, in the end times, in the end of days, and his vision of heaven that was given to him by Jesus. But we see prophecy in the Old Testament, and but most of those were fulfilled in Christ. And we also see other types of literature in the Bible, like there's poetic literature, there's narrative, there's prophetic, uh, like what we're reading today. You know, before we even dive into this, how do you go about interpreting a Bible text that's prophetic in nature? Kind of the rule of thumb that that I like to use and I've heard others say is it can't mean for us today something that it did not mean for them then. Mm. And so that's something to just kind of be mindful about as you read prophetic texts or really any text in the Bible is it can't mean something for us that it didn't mean for them during that day, that it has to have both and. All right. Interesting. And First John, do you have an idea? When was First John written? Probably around the late first century. Yeah, right. Probably yeah. about that. So, so what would a person that was reading it then? How would they have in, interpret interpreted this? Would they have interpreted it as this is a prophecy for the future? Uh, probably for the future present would okay. be a good way of saying that for the future present. Cool. In other words, they would probably seen uh, uh, glimpses of it. Those that could that, that were probably well informed and well educated, they could see glimpses of it as a futuristic, mm. but probably felt the pressure of the present. Mm. Uh, kind of like we probably do today. People are asking, hey, is this it? Is this a plague of plagues and things yeah. like that? Uh, it's a plague. It's, um, it's a pandemic for sure. For Mm. sure. Um, But uh, is it one that is mentioned in God's word? Possibly. Mm. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. That you brought up a really good point. You know, I know we're about to get in the text, but there's been so many generations that have had situations like we're in right now yes. that have honestly been worse that have asked, like, is this is this it? Is you this know? it? Is this it? A lot of people have made a lot of money on that too, because they've come yeah. out as saying, Hey, I have the definitive truth of this is what Revelation is saying and this is what we're experiencing right now. So sure. pack your bags, go stand on the top of a canyon and wait for the end. Yeah. That was something that happened when I was a kid, so that's why I was referencing that. Yeah, you, you don't need your pack your bags and um, this may or may not be the end, but the, the, the thing that we see in the book of Revelation is that God protects and he assures those that follow him. And that's basically what uh, this text is uh, entirely about in Revelation 7. Kind of the theme is um, we're separated uh, in the suffering, but mm. we will go through the suffering um, yeah. and we are guided by the grace of the good shepherd. And that's yeah. where it leaves us at the end today, but we're going to walk through and get there. Yeah, and I'm really excited about that. And just to remind you guys, the format's going to look different today. I know usually we gather and Casey preaches a message. You guys take notes. It's going to be more like a conversation. Uh, I'm going to ask Casey some some questions that maybe I had when I was reading the text, uh, but Casey's still going to explain. So again, we encourage you to have your Bibles out, take notes on some things uh, that he says, because we're still hoping the same uh, mission is accomplished in us tackling what the text says and us understanding that, how to apply it in our own lives. So let's Let's jump into it. Revelation 7. Casey, I'm going to read that okay, real great. quick. Uh, and this is out of the New International Version, Revelation 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000. And then it just goes on listing all the different tribes, which I, you know, that would take me a little There's while. 12, to There's 12,000 of each tribe. There's 12,000 of each tribe. Yeah. Um, so, Casey. And 12 tribes. 12 tribes, yes. So. 12 and 12,000 in each tribe. So, um, let's just kind of get into, we're in, let's just look at verses one through eight here. A lot to unpack. What is John trying to communicate through? these first eight verses? Uh, well, through the first eight verses, you'll see that the people of God um, cannot be harmed until they have been sealed or set apart or marked, or uh, you would see in the latter part of this text in the following verses that they are, are preserved or God's presence is put over them. The word tabernacle is used in some texts, mm-hmm. I think around verse 17. And so there is this idea that God is protecting, he's securing those who follow him, who love him and obey his ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you see there is a limitation to evil. Uh Evil cannot act until this thing is done, and it cannot act on those who have been sealed or who have been marked, or who have been set apart by, uh, mm-hmm. by God. Yeah, and we see a specific number that's been sealed, right? right? That's, what, that's what John says, 144,000, and then that's divided among the 12 tribes sure. uh, that he lists right here. So one thing that I was really curious about when I was reading the text, who the heck is this 144,000? Does that mean that 
Like there's going to be a specific number that gets into heaven. Does it mean something symbolic? What are, what are we looking at here? So the 144,000, some people think that it's a literal 144 and mm. that's their choice. But um, if that was where we were at, then we'd have probably run out of that number a long time ago because mm. I mean, it's been a, it's been a hot minute. Okay. And so simply the 144,000 is John's way of saying the people of God who God recognizes as his people. He's picking up on the idea that God marked uh, the people of Israel, that God had a chosen people. Okay. And so this is Jew and Gentile. That's John's way of saying me and you, everyone is included. And you see this as the first eight verses are one version of the vision. And then the last portion of this chapter is a second version of the same vision. And in the second part, uh, John says, every nation, every tribe, he's throwing it back to where he has described every tribe. And so I hope that connects it for you that, Zach, if you love the Lord, you're going to be there. You're going to make it. God's going to cover you. He's going to protect you. You should be assured of that. Even in this complicated world that we live in. Yeah. So the 144,000, what you're saying, the 144,000 is not a literal, this number of people. Correct. Okay. That's, that's really assuring because I was like, man, if it's a... a you got to punch your ticket quick. You got to punch your ticket quick, man. Yeah, they yeah. have, man, that yeah. three weekends at Joel Osteen's <laughs> church, that's, that's 140,000 people right done. there. Done, and we're done. So One Billy Graham crusade, done. So real quick, with the names of the people that I didn't read all the way through, you can read them for yourself. Uh, the different tribes, you got Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, uh, Levi, some of these figures from the Old Testament. So you're saying, are, are these people also more symbolic of a particular group that maybe is represented? Like what exactly, is there any significance, basically what I'm asking, to the people that are listed in the tribes? Uh, scholars seem to think that the, the groupings are there to let them, let us know as readers, it's every nation, every tribe, those that are blessed by God or are seen have done really good things for the kingdom of God, and those that they're kind of, they're kind of messed up. They're kind of jacked up. In other words, the redemption of all people is possible mm. by God. Uh, and so that's why you have some of the not so favored tribes mentioned here. Mm. And then some of the favored tribes, Levi and, yeah. and, and so on. Yeah. So we can look at this and say the, the ones who were sealed, mm -hmm. the ones that love God. That's right. So, so me, if I have a love for God and I pursue him, like I can consider myself in this text, one that's sealed and one that will have these angels holding back the, the winds and the thing for, for me. Yes. Right. So what, it, you know, Zach, a, you're in the tribe. I'm in the tribe. That's just what I wanted to know. Am I in, am I in, you're the, in tribe? the tribe? Wouldn't that be okay. Wouldn't that be a really cool youth group name tribe? It, it would, it would. I, I'm a Braves fan. I know okay. we've had some rough years, but I'm a Braves fan. So I've always considered myself part of the tribe. Okay. Okay. Um, I know you're a Cardinals fan. And so in that sense, you're not part of the tribe, but in the sense of God's kingdom, you're part of the tribe. So okay. be assured, be assured. Your baseball team may not be, but you are as a follower of God. Okay. I'm not a Cardinals fan. I'm not really that big of a Cardinals fan. I was just really asking more so if it'd be a cool youth group man. We need we need to move on. We need to move on. So there's a lot going on here um, that you could take a lot of different directions. And I think one thing that you were probably getting when you studied, a lot of scholars probably have a lot of different opinions on what do we take from this? Like, what exactly does it does it mean for us today? So one through eight with this picture of the four angels holding back these these earthly forces, but being told to hold off until the the ones who were to be sealed 
got the seal of the living God, which is us, what exactly like do, what should we read here? What should we take from this part of, of the scripture? God's people are protected. In other words, God can bracket evil. He can say, this is when it's going to start. This is when it's going to stop because he's in control. He's the creator. And so he has uh, the ability to put limits on the evil in this world. And I think that's that's wonderful for us to hear, especially in this time, mm-hmm. that God can limit the evil in this world whenever he wants, however he wants, with whatever he wants. And so he yeah. can hold back. He can hold up evil because uh, he's the creator. He's the one in control. Hmm. So if what I'm hearing is correct, a good thing we can take from this is not only will this happen in the end where God protects his people from these, you know, these, uh, the, the winds, uh, and the, the raging seas that are going to be happening, but God still steps in and protects his people today. And that's, that's something that we can take from this passage to prove God has provision for his his servants, his people. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. God protects his people. Um, that is his providence over us. That's how uh, that's how he operates in becoming one of his children. Um, we get his protection, and um, while that m- may not mean that we don't participate in suffering, mm. it does mean that we'll be never. We will never be separated from him Hmm. in our suffering. And so we will go through sufferings in our life, much as we're going through right now. But we are never separated from God in our suffering. And so the protection is always there. Protection from evil in this world that we live in and even from the ultimate evil, which is hell itself. Yeah. And that's, I don't really want to continue to talk about the whole coronavirus thing, but it's obviously something very relevant to us right now. And that's a good word for us that we can know that God will protect us. But what exactly, what exactly does that look like in a practice? Does that mean that there's no way that we can die from something like this? Does that mean that, like, what exactly does it mean to know that we're protected by God in our context right now? I think it would be that we would be protected from loneliness, which I think Mm. is very apparent that we have one, we have biblical community, Christian community, brothers and sisters that we can call, FaceTime, text, Mm. Skype, Zoom, whatever platform you're needing to use to keep your proper social distancing. But we can also be protected from uh, knowing that when, if, and when we die, we will not be separated from God. And so death doesn't sting us. The grave Mm. cannot hold us because it did not hold him. Mm. And so I think there is a a freedom, there is a hope that comes from that for the believer. And I think as we are in this difficult time, we have to ask ourselves, do we believe in that hope or not? Mm -hmm. Are we living our life in light of that hope? It doesn't mean we have to act foolish and not use hand sanitizer and, you know, wash our hands and follow what, you know, what man has dictated will help us in this crisis. But it does mean that our spirit should not be one of fear and timidness, that we should be living in the freedom of our faith. I love that because God has promised us that we can cast our burdens onto him. Uh So things like loneliness, man, he he can take those things away if we are faithful to taking those things, those sins that we have in our mind, especially during this time, to him. He doesn't promise us that we'll live a life free of sickness or free of no. physical, you know, we'll one day have that as, as a promise where we'll be in heaven with him. And that's kind of what John is prophesying here. But he does promise to allow us in this life today 
to protect us in a way that we can cast our burdens onto him Definitely. and he can protect us from this present state of loneliness or anxiety that we may have from this because, and, and that comes from this knowledge right, right. here exactly. that he's bigger than any forces exactly. that the earth could possibly throw at us. Correct. Um, and man, that's a, that's a great word, man. You know what? I, re- I didn't get that when I was first reading it. So thanks for, thanks for breaking that down. Is it okay if we shift yeah, to, let's to do the it. next, to the next section and, Casey, we had a quick conversation before this, and you said that there were two sections here. The first was the section that John heard. Correct. This is what he heard. Correct. And now we're about to move into what he saw. Yes, 9 through the following, through the end of the chapter, is what he saw. The first eight is what John heard, which is really interesting. And so you're getting part of the vision. Uh, He's describing, this is what I heard. And now he is saying, this is what I saw. And so the people, the multitude Mm -hmm. that is in verse 9 is the same multitude of the 144,000. And so the 144,000 again, not being a, uh, a literal number, but being a representation of all God's people. You see here in verse nine, it says every nation, every tribe, people, and language standing before the throne, before the lamb in verse nine. So that's mm-hmm. everyone that loves the Lord, that follows him, that God calls his people as he called the nation of Israel. That's everyone that is in that's, that's verse nine. And so, uh, mm-hmm. that's where we're at. So we, the tribes were identified and now we're about to see their response. Yes, of, which yes, is, which is yes. This this is this is so good. Follow along with us. We're going to start in verse nine. After this, after all that we just read before, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Man, that's powerful. Verse 11, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, There before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Amen. Whew. Man, I've should I play a worship song right now? I feel like that. <laughs> you probably could. There's probably a couple written about this uh, text, I'm sure. Multiple, multiple, yeah, man. Definitely, multiple. Definitely. Man, Casey, this you want to break that down for us. It's such a powerful thing to read. It's almost like maybe we should leave it there. But uh you want to kind of break down this response of God's people in nine through seventeen. Yeah, it's a, it's a response. John hears and then he sees God's people uh, mm-hmm. note that what they're doing, they're doing what we should be doing each and every day. They're praising him for mm-hmm. who he is and what he has done. And as much as we want to make that a part of our life 
and it will be all of our life in heaven. We should make that a part of our life here on earth. And so mm-hmm. that um, would not be something less that they are doing. They're doing what we all should be doing here on earth, and that mm-hmm. is praising God for who he is and what he's done. Whew. So you're saying this isn't something that we have to wait for. We have to wait no. for in fullness and the completion of it for us to be fully perfect worshiping God. Praise him in the pandemic. Praise him in the pandemic. Oh, man. <laughs> like, that could be a song. Praise Probably. you in the storm by casting crowns. Praise you in this pr- pandemic. Praise you in the and pandemic. I'll praise you in this pandemic. I it like it. Quite, I like doesn't it doesn't quite hit the same. It's a, it, If you're in the pandemic, it's the same. It's but then what about when the pandemic's over? The song probably won't have a lot of relevance. Yeah, the chart life on it would probably be Let's very pray short. that the chart life is very minimal. Okay. We should probably stop talking. It's probably not going to happen. Probably not. But, but he, check out our Spotify. You, it could drop in the next couple of days. Praise them in the pandemic. I don't know. I have with to come banjo. Up, yeah. No. What? No. I I like a good banjo. Would, what what about the banjo screams apocalyptic or pandemic? Down 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 down. Nine through seventeen, so we don't have to wait to to worship God no, in this. No waiting. In, in it's this, not like the drive-through at Wendy's. It's not like the drive-through at Wendy's. Man, Wendy's is usually pretty fast. But with this text, Casey, we see John being very specific about who is there. Every nation, every tribe, language, and people are sitting around the throne, worshiping God in this really awesome picture that we see. But in the present state, the norm is cultures and people worshiping individually and, and separately. So I think True. we see a picture of a multicultural church at the, at the end of days when multilingual. everything— Multilingual. Multilingual. So obviously a lot of our churches aren't there yet when it comes to get, reflecting what's in heaven. True. What's— one way, and I know George talked about this summit, y'all's leadership he did, retreat. He did. What is a way practically for us to maybe realize what we see in Scripture sure, and try to reflect here on earth what's in heaven? I think to be honest about it, like we're doing here and say, you know what, uh, maybe the church is not a true representation of what God's picture or what John is painting here in this text. Mm-hmm. And us to be honest about how can we begin to achieve that? We diff- have different worship styles. We have different preaching styles. And so a lot of church is stylistic. Um, but still kingdom-driven and kingdom-focused. And I think that is just uh, how we as humans, uh, we like things that we like, and we might Mm -hmm. not even know why we like them. And so maybe to ask those questions, why do I like this? Do Mm -hmm. I like something else? And experience other cultures, other worship styles, other languages, other nations. And so the, the idea of missions can become worshipful in that you can have a mission Full worshipful experience. If it's not Mission a word, it's not a word it is now. Missionful. Missionful. It's a word I, now. I don't. I don't know. I Mission. feel bad that I created a word. It's okay. Hey, it, these are these are times <sighs> when you can create a word. People it's are true. just looking for stuff to do. That's true. It's it, definitely. I'm a little bored. Let me have a quick word from a worship pastor's perspective yeah, on this really hard. You know, not hard, but awesome text of uh, a, a picture of worship. We look at this and we are like, man. That's some awesome worship that's going on. How are they're just responding to to who God is? Uh, and I think 
a reason for that. You do see the multicultural, multilingual aspect where everybody is together and there's full unity. And I think that's a major part of it. But I think another major reason why we see this powerful worship is because they see Jesus in his in his fullness. They see who he is. Perfected. He is perfected and revealed to him. And worship for us is a response to who God is. So when they can see God in his perfected this fullness state of who he is in heaven, you have no choice but to respond sure. in, in in this way. That's why we'll be worshiping for eternity, because when we see Christ revealed in this way, there will be no choice for us but to worship him in this way. So if we wonder why or wonder how worship can be powerful on this earth, we need to realize what it is, and it, it's us responding to who God has revealed himself doing. to be. That's what they're doing, and they see him in the perfected state, and we have access to understanding who God is on this earth, but our knowledge of God informs how we worship God because they see see God in fullness, which we won't see until the perfect state. But we have been given his word where we can learn the attributes and characteristics. So this is perfect worship. This is perfect worship and the way for us to move towards it. And I think we see it's perfect worship because they see God perfected, yes. and, which God is always perfect. <clears throat> but we see God with you know, a skewed lens down here because we have sure. sinful eyes. But one way for us to overcome that and move towards our hearts being more moved in worship and our hearts being more excited and joyful in worship is to learn more about who God is. I, and I, what he's done. And what he's done, which has been revealed in his words. So uh, your worship is only going to go as deep as your theology of God. So perfected worship in heaven is every nation, every tribe, praising the Lord for mm -hmm. who he is and what he's done. I have a deep theological question for you. Go for it. Will my voice be better when I sing when I'm in heaven, or will it be the same? Careful, this is perfect worship. This is perfect worship. You know what, Casey? I've, heard you, I've heard you sing before. It's not pretty. Well... It may be not be pretty because of my critical, sinful ears. Okay, okay. So maybe it will be prettier because everybody will have perfect ears. I don't know, Casey. I can't answer this question. I'm trying to make it better. I, you know what? Because I don't know, I'll just say, yeah, maybe you'll you'll have a better voice. In like heaven. I can sing on pitch and like on key? I, prayerfully. Prayerfully. You know what? There will be nothing that can be a distraction in heaven. And he's going to wipe right away every tear. Wipe away every tear. It's so true. you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say, Casey, you'll have a better voice. You'll sound just like Alicia you Keys. You heard it here. Everyone will have a better voice when they get to heaven. Amen. Amen. Deep question. But really, though, I, you know, we, we can learn and respond to who God is and worship him in, in, in just a, a more impactful way if we take time to daily seek the Lord and understand who he is because our response to him when we sing will be much more powerful. The music that we use, the the songs that we sing are definitely meaningful and we need to pick good songs and we need to pick good music, but that's not the end all be all of why we worship. Our life should be an expression of worship and it should be us responding to who God is and God is who he is because of our knowledge of him. So that's one big reason to be seeking him. And this is the standard that we're trying to strive towards. But man, those are, those are two really, I think, powerful Definitely. sections. That was just a powerful 
chapter. You have anything you want to say to kind of wrap it up or give us some practical points as far as what this means for us today? Yeah, a couple of things. One, if you notice it in kind of the last part, verse 17, it says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will become their shepherd. And so the lamb is, is becoming their shepherd. And so uh, this is a vision of the new Jerusalem in chapter 21 of Revelation. Uh, in a cool role, the reversal, uh, the lamb will become the shepherd, assuming the royal um, good shepherd of John 10. And I think that's really cool. We started the good shepherd a couple years back. And I really like that Psalm 23, definitely in play here. The lamb turned to shepherd guides, the flock of his people to, and it says here, the springs of living water. This is symbolizing Christ dying on the cross and leading his followers into everlasting life through salvation, uh, safely into the promised land from the exile of Egypt, so to speak. And so the, 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 the Old Testament nature is brought forth here in Revelation, lion to sh uh, lamb to shepherd. And so I, I wanted to really point that out because I think it's a beautiful picture of how Christ died, rose again, and is leading his followers in this tribulation. He's protecting them, he's guiding them, and he's guiding them in grace. And so again, never separated from the shepherd, never separated from the shepherd, sustained by the shepherd, guided by the shepherd's grace into the promised, into the holy, into the heavenly land. And so I just mm -hmm. wanted to make that sure that you guys heard that. <clears throat> I just want to make sure you guys heard that. Man, never separated and always sustained yeah, yeah. by the shepherd. What a good word. Yeah, definitely. Man, guys, thank you for watching this. Uh, like, we know it's, this is a different format, but a lot of things are going to look different. You same know? people. Same people. Different same people. format. Same, and I'm doing something different. Well, I did, get, you know, I did sing some in this. You I did. Sang, the praise you did. In the, I'll praise you in this pandemic. Which, hey, we're just going to move on from that. It's not going to happen. Look for that song to drop. M definitely not. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, two things. Subscribe like this video. That's two things in one. But the second thing, leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about this format. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know if this is something you want us to do moving forward. We don't know how long this is going to be as far as how our ministry is going to look like this, but we want feedback from you guys as far as what's going to be impactful to you uh, today and what will reach and engage you the best. But again, thanks for listening uh, and thanks for watching. Uh, like, subscribe, and comment. And join us next time if we do this again. Casey, any final words? Yeah, like me more than you like him, okay? You don't like an individual. Like me more than you like him. Do you him. have YouTube? Do you have YouTube? That, I've, I've seen a tube you. YouTube, I've seen that before. We're going to cut it off right here. We love you guys. Love you. Y'all stay safe Bye. out there.